Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
We praise you, Lord. Father, I thank you. And I thank you on behalf of every listener, anyone who's listening, of course, live or even to a recorded podcast. We pray that you will accept these prayers as a corporate prayer, united. United as one, Father, here on this earth. And again, Father, because it it encourages us, I will lift up before you Matthew 18:19 and I think it's so beautiful because it comes right after Matthew 18:18 18, 18, where that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven and that which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. And the very next verse says, and again I say to you if any of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Dear heavenly Father, together On the earth, we come before you and we pray that you will please account us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you at the wedding supper. Father, we praise you for our understanding. It's certainly not going to be 100% accurate, but we praise you, Father, for, for our limited understanding of the things that you have shown those who have been blessed by a visit to your glorious realm, to heaven. We thank you, Father God, for helping us to understand that it's not an even playing field and that the rewards that are spoken of so frequently in the Bible are very real, they're tangible, and they're meaningful in the sense that they should be, as they ought, um, highly motivational for us when we recognize the opportunity that has been laid before us And understand that the times that we spend here on this earth are, in fact, a type of accelerated training course of of sorts for wherever it is that you decide that we ought to land in the kingdom hierarchy through our suffering for Christ, which takes on so many different forms. In some cases, we long suffer because of just the attitudes, the wrinkled up uh, noses or the uh, ostracized, uh, you know, being ostracized from our families or people that we know. Sometimes we suffer because of, um, you know, the, the commitments that we make to you and to our desire to be obedient and in holy harmony with your word. Frequently that results in us um, having you know, being alone and um, and and the aloneness, if there is such a word, is clinical. It's um it's so much so that even the idea of spending time with our immediate family, um, nevertheless, does result in uh, clinical loneliness, whereby it's nice to be in their presence, and we love to you know break bread with them and to be able to have conversations with them, especially with the approaching what you know holiday season. But at the same time, we know that we can't share the, all the things that you have shown us. And we praise you for those things that you have shown us because while they're very difficult to, to uh, take in and they carry with them an, a highly noteworthy and logarithmic in magnitude uh burden with them it's a it's a powerful and mighty blessing to be aware of them because uh, it it's motivational so few of our brothers and sisters are aware 
of the magnitude of the things that are about to come upon the earth are aware of how dark things are going to become and how fast they'll, they, they will like, likely, likely befall us. Yet at the same time, we really don't know. Only you do, Father. Not even the angels in heaven know how long it is that we will have to endure these things on this earth. And your mercy does endure forever. And you are an awful, awfully, incredibly um, merciful Father. And it is your mercy that is being extended to us through your grace that gives us the ability to praise you, that gives us the ability to look past our mistakes, that gives us the ability to have hope even when we shouldn't, or or, or I should say uh, gives us the ability to have hope even when our hearts make us feel like we shouldn't because of the godly sorrow that we carry with us due to past behaviors and poor choices and bad you know bad choices in life and such father we just praise you and we thank you for your mercy because if it wasn't for that incredible amount of grace that the type of grace that david prayed out to you for in psalm 51 verse 14 that it would restore even his ability to be able to sing praises to you and it and and we pray father and we thank you and in advance because we know And we believe with all of our heart that you will blot out all of our transgressions and completely all of our sins. And and especially when we're like, when we behave like Daniel, even Daniel was uh, confessing of his sins. Nehemiah was confessing not only of his sins, but of the sins of the people of Israel. So many lessons to be learned by paying attention to what, what a lot, with arguably the vast majority of our fellow brothers and sisters do not even notice when they're reading. Even their teachers and their preachers don't even notice it when they're reading it. We praise you, Father, for bringing us to a place in our walk where we're fascinated and extra hungry for the mysteries of the Scripture, so much so that we're ferreting out, unpacking and hunting for those those minor, seemingly minor nuances in, in words that are chosen in various, you know, scriptural passages that have such a profound eternal ramification on each of our walks and can, if we understand them, be remarkably encouraging. Father, we just want to praise you for all of your mercy, all of your grace, and we ask you for an abundance of that grace. We're asking you for, indeed, a, a, a tenfold logarithmic quantity, Father, of your grace to be increased upon each of us as we attempt, in, in many cases, with great, um, what would be the word, with great, uh, it's hard. It's very, very hard, and and it's with great effort in many cases that we're uh, even able to continue. You know, with 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 the you know the um, the focus, with the desire in our heart, not feeling like we want to give up, but wanting to continue making adjustments in our life. Sometimes adjustments in our diets, adjustments in our behaviors, adjust adjustments in how we think. so many parts of our lives are up for, well, change. And with your help and your help we need that we need so, uh, so desperately, we will be able to overcome all those things 
providing, especially that in, in that there are two cases that, that, that present themselves to us. Either you, Father, through your mercy and loving kindness, or our Lord Jesus, reveal those behaviors. Maybe we're resistant. Maybe we have behaviors in our lives. Maybe we feel uncomfortable with certain things that are in our lives. But we are not able to confirm that they're unpleasing to you or outside of the harmony of your holy will by reading the scripture. We're simply just not able to confirm it. Therefore, we will wrestle with those those uh, feelings in our heart. And we look for confirmation, Father, and we look for your assistance, your divine, holy, supernatural assistance to bring us through those things. I, I, Without repeating specifically of what I have prayed for, I know there are certain behaviors that were in my life that I prayed for years on my knees in tears many times, crying, gushing tears out to you, asking for help to overcome them. And I, and uh, it's a it's a miracle. But I assume or estimate whatever the best word is, that I probably have a bunch of more, and maybe all of us do. But I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will reveal those to us, and that you will not delay, as as our brother Daniel spoke in Daniel 9.19. Oh, Lord, forgive. Do not delay. We praise your name, Father, and we ask you to not delay on any of the asks that we present to you in our supplication before your throne tonight. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to open our hearts and our minds to the things that are coming this way because it is highly motivational, and we need that motivation. We need to know the the threat. If we are to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, if we are to be wise as those who would slaughter us, then we're going to have no choice but to expose ourselves to the things which are unthinkable. And as part of that exposure comes a um, comes that life burden that, that is carried with it. It's a heavy burden, but yet we praise you for it. Because with that burden comes motivation. With that burden comes a revelation that we are in a time that is so close to our imminent departure that it's not it's beyond our ability to be able to calculate it, to even hypothesize how it may go down and what order it may go down and how soon certainly it would go down. We, one thing we can say, and we praise you for this, is that it appears to be with great certainty that given if we were to look at the time span of the last 12 years that this program has been around, there has never been a time even close to this. There has indeed never been a time where what are what are clearly... Uh, and would be interpreted by any Christian believer as satanic attacks against the people of the world, it's the first time clearly since Noah's flood, and as best as I am able to discern, that you have allowed such humongously impactful, I'm just really struggling to find the right words, because there aren't right words. There aren't right words that can... uh, adequately capture 
the magnitude of the darkness, the magnitude of the evil that has been unleashed upon us in so many different directions. Transgenderism, uh, you know, drag queenism, um, murderous, murderous, uh, woke ideologies, horrible threats of controlling and locking down all of our ability to buy and sell, which is clearly, I mean, we've got Joe Rogan, for goodness sakes, having segments of his radio show on Spotify talking about the mark of the beast. This is unheard of. We see your holy hand touching those who are at the very best, and I don't mean this to be a negative statement, but really so many people who are uh, marginal at best in their walk, marginal at best in their belief of you, and they're proclaiming you, Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior. So many people that we know, not only those who are in uh, positions of mainstream media, fame to some degree, or those who are, um, you know, we'll just say podcasters or well-known or whatever the case is. So many personalities that are, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to say famous, famous personalities. Um, in some cases, even uh, some might even refer to them as infamous. Father, we just thank you because there's virtually as far as I can tell, all of them are saying that now many of them believe that they can pray away the um, global reset, for lack of a better term, the New World Order, Novus Ordo Seclorum, the Great Tribulation, which is the most appropriate way to refer to it. They believe that their fight, which they oftentimes label under the umbrella term of patriotism in this country, Babylon the Great, is a fight worth fighting, that it's a fight that's going to restore Babylon the Great into a different version, a, into a uh, perhaps a 1950s or 1960s version of the country, even though the 19 if we even go back all the way to the 1920s even the 19 the early 1900s the late 1800s if we're very familiar and especially educated in the history we recognize that there were periods that this country went through even during times when the vast majority or at least so it may have seemed a very significant, let's say it's a much larger majority, how about that, than what we have seen, say, back in the 60s or the 70s, of people who were professed believers. There was a lot more finger-shaking, finger-wagging, paddle-tailing. Um, there was a lot more um, name-calling. I don't know, though, that even during those times, there were a lot of really, truly holy and righteous Christians. Not really. At least in my my walk, in my studies of history, as um, fervent as they are, uh, for lack of a better term, just fervent as they are, I I am unaware that 
without going back to the second century, that there was, and there, I'm sure there were pockets of Christians that were especially good during different eras of the last 2,000 years. And there always have been, and there, and there is even today, no, no question about it, because Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, the report card of the uh, seven churches, reveals it. And we praise you for that. The way that you delivered that information to us, Lord, is, is so revealing, so amazing, and so revealing. And we praise you for that. And we just want to say thank you, Father. Thank you for, you know, I thank you personally, I do, for the challenge that you have laid before me. As you know, that my, as I stutter my way through this uh, prayer, uh, having started the first week of uh, intense interviews and next week being well, looking at the calendar certainly seems unbearable to the point where a human couldn't endure it. Certainly not one my age. Three-hour meetings back-to-back, no time to take a bio break or anything. You know, sometimes six hours of meetings all day long with not a single moment to break. Not a moment. Not a moment. And I praise you for that, Father, because there are so many that uh, they don't have jobs. I praise you for the jobs, and I, I promise with all of my heart that I will do everything I can to, uh, to punch my way through it, so that I can continue to serve you. And if I fall down and fail, Father, I pray that you will please forgive me. And I ask you again and again, please, in Jesus' name, for a tenfold blessing and anointing upon anybody so much as it lifts me up just by the most infinitesimally small mention to you, Father, in prayer. And I praise you for each one of my fellow brothers and sisters that do remember me, because I do remember them as well as you know, Father. Father, I pray that we will all remember that we will keep lists, whether it be on our phones or on a piece of paper, that we will keep lists and we will remember each other and we will pray for each other. We praise you for this opportunity to serve you, Father. We praise you for the wonderful blessing that you have given each of us by keeping us on the cutting edge of the things that are about to befall the earth. Because by that knowledge, again, we praise you. Because at midnight we will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I don't think there's one of us who would even question for a moment that we walk within the very words of Psalm 91 right now that we, it's just astonishing and just amazing, the perilous pestilence that walks by night, the fiery arrows in the sky by day. It's just amazing. A thousand will fall to our left and a ten thousand to our right, but it shall not come near us, for with our eyes we will see the reward of the wicked. And Father, we always remember when we read those words that it does rain on the just and the unjust. We recognize and we praise you, Father God, for Isaiah 57.1, whereby you remind us that the the righteous perish. You remind us that when the righteous does perish, 
that no man will you know no man will take it to heart that merciful men are being taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil what a fantastic blessing that is to recognize that you would bring us home that you bring millions of our brothers and sisters home through cataclysms, judgments, and things that the vast majority of those who do not truly understand the hierarchy of our kingdom dynamics here on the earth or throughout all of your creation would simply walk out and point to the sky and say, that devil did this, that devil did that, without recognizing that you're in control, utterly in control, that you are he who restrains. And if you weren't restraining now, we would all be suffering a horrible, horrible death. Even as as we're in the midst of this prayer vigil, we are blessed in many cases with comforts that parts of the world maybe have never had. We thank you, Father God, for the um, comfortable dwelling places that many of us have. We thank you, Father God, for separating us, in some cases, from those comfortable dwelling places. And if it's necessary, we pray that you, our Father, will continue to chasten us and continue to um, purify us with your fiery fire and make us perfect as 24 pure carat gold, that you will refine us. And that refining refining process is clearly something that, at least to me, as far as I can tell, and I don't know, seems to be a never-ending thing. And that's okay. We All we ask is that you will always be by our side and pour out an abundance of grace that is beyond our imagination. An abundance of grace that allows us to be able to push through and walk, knowing that we're in your hands, knowing that you have given us the fortitude, the emotional strength, the motivation by helping us to understand how dark that which is coming actually is, the knowledge of how this darkness, how close this darkness is to impacting each one of us now, even. And using that as a motivational factor for us to get our ducks in a row. And what a, what a motivational uh, catalyst it is. It surely, surely is. And we thank you so much. We thank you so much for these motivations, Father. Because I can speak for myself, and I can't speak for others. I can't. But I can imagine, and I don't know, but I certainly feel in my spirit that there are others out there that have been blessed and continue to be blessed by the knowledge or the understanding of the imminence of the darkness, the impact of the evil that is heading toward us, that is closing in on us from all sides. And we praise you because we don't care. I mean, certainly we do not want to be here for such things. We would have to be not right in the head (laughs) to want to be here for those things. 
Certainly, if we were to, we would pray for divine holy fire, warrior angels surrounding us at all times that we would not have to undergo the worst case and that you would supernaturally be there for us, which we know that you will. We know that you will. And we believe and we praise you because we know that you are not only will be with us, but are with us. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory. We worship you and thank you. You are awesome. Your creation is awesome. The artwork that you have in all of the heavens and the trillions of galaxies and the trillions, obviously, of life forms, the multiple universes, the multiple realms, the dimensions, uh, the, all of the things that we see, even the the evil weaponry of the fallen angelic beings and what has been given to the evil ones in this earth to um, to wreak havoc uh, on this earth and really take active participation, whether they realize it or not, in your judgments. It's amazing how people like to separate the um, the weather modification attacks, the directed energy weapon attacks, and these pandemics with, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't want to even get into all the horror. And we fail to recognize that it is you that restrains. And it, you know, wow. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know how to express it. And you didn't restrain it. You didn't. And if we recognize that, it paints a vivid picture of how far along we are in this journey. It does not give us a clue how many months, how many years. We can hope. We can spot our own season. Our own season. We can reason in our own hearts, perhaps with some level of likelihood that rings true in our spirit, but can't be confirmed. It can't be confirmed by your holy design, regardless of what people teach, regardless of what they think, regardless of how long they think a generation is, regardless of what markers in the establishment of Israel they hold up as their um, plumb line for establishing the eminence of major end times events upon the earth. It is you, Father, who decides. Nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven. And Father, we pray that you will continue to bless those who really, really like to search out your word, who really, really like to investigate or wonder about the about the uh, high holy, uh, the um, the feast of the Lord, Leviticus twenty-three, to. Um, to look at the, uh, to, to, to lean in on the possibilities that things could happen on those days and even use the deltas associated with the adaptation of the Gregorian calendar versus the Hebrew calendar as a uh, margin of error. It's a margin of error. Even though the... Uh, the, the moment that the fullness of the Gentiles being brought in may actually be a floating time and have absolutely nothing to do 
nothing whatsoever to do with the high holy days and the feasts. But we don't know. Proverbs 25.2 says, and we praise you for this, Father, that it is the glory of God to conceal the matter and the glory of kings to search out a matter and we're hungry and we want to be with you. We can't even imagine in our hearts what it must be like. I could sit here and use nebulous words. I mean, Father, you know it's a nebulous word, the word glory. <laughs> it is. How, who of us are able to quantify the word glory? Who of us are able to 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 be in the very spirit of Stephen at the time that the heavens were opened that he could see your throne room? Who of us can stand in the shoes sandals or whatnot of Isaiah when he said, I am undone, as he saw things that only, that, that we, can, we can't even imagine. We hear the testimony of those who have been blessed by a visit to heaven, some of them having believed that they were taken to heaven, but unfortunately we know that they sadly were taken to a mock-up, a mockery by the the evil one. And we praise you, Father God, for revealing to our hearts those who have been taken to the Maka just by virtue of the things that they say that we know are not true. But we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you will please forgive them. They mean well. They really do. And we just pray, Father, that you will release those who are caught in the, um, what will we call it? This deep desire for goodness, happiness, dwelling on the things above and not on things of this earth, which is very scriptural, Colossians 3, 2, keeping our mind stayed on things above and not on things of this earth. But at the same time, Father, unfortunately, a side effect of that is remaining in a state of continuous ignorance, not in a place where they are able to prepare to or to see the eminence being tricked by the pillow prophet, um, what's the word, the pillow prophet's position, their belief system that those of us who are doing what we've been commanded to do, which is to watch for the thief that comes in the middle of the night are somehow doom and gloomers that they like to call us. Father, we pray that you will forgive those who have climbed up on top of the seven mountains. So many, Father, millions, millions of our fellow brothers and sisters, because they're afraid. They're afraid. Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon all of them. Have mercy upon those who had the opportunity to appropriately prepare, but could not handle the fear in their hearts because they weren't truly right. Not that we're 100% arrived, because we're not. But we praise you, Father, for bringing us a little bit further along down that road of sanctification to understand that we don't care about this place. We don't. Yes, we admit we would like to be surrounded by our teddy bears and our comforts and our decorations and our pictures on the wall. 
But if it is your will, Father, we pray that we will take these things away from us if we're not to have them. Bring us to wherever that place is, Father, that is ingrained, that is harmonized within the presence of your total and holy will for us in our walk. Continue to grow us up in Christ, no matter what penalty it is that we must pay here on this earth to come to wherever that next exit is on the journey. And let us not take that exit, but be determined to continue forward in that sanctification process, regardless of how hard it may be to go through that the sheer intensity of the refiner's fire on the next leg of that journey. Whatever it takes, Father, we lay ourselves at at your hands and at your mercy. We commit ourselves into your hands, Lord Jesus, for we are in your hands. We commit ourselves into your hands, Father, for we are in your hands. And we will not jump out of them. We shall not. And with your help and anointing, Father, only with your help and anointing, will we have the strength to tarry on, to go about our business, as the word says in the King James, to occupy, as the words say in the New King James, the Amplified, and so many of the other translations, to be about our business. Father, allow us, with your grace, to be about our business. But allow that business to be completely immersed in a desire that overwhelms us, a desire to be in your holy presence, a desire to be walking in your holy will, to be utterly harmonized within our spirit and all of our desires. Take away all the earthly desires. Take away all, especially in the days that we are in right now where we are uh, diving headfirst into the holiday seasons. Of course, um, for those of us, you know, of course we are in the month, we have entered into the month of October. And for so many, October, from a holiday perspective, uh, is unfortunate. Let it only be seen by those of us who wish to walk in your holiness and righteousness as a period of beauty and of harvest a period of time on this earth when colors abound, when trees change. If people, if everybody could just see the smoky mountains when the leaves change, especially at the higher elevations. It's 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 an experience like no other. Oh, I know how beautiful the trees are when they change in all across the New England states. And I haven't been in every single one of them, but I know. But uh, I can I can testify that the Smoky Mountains were the most amazing thing I ever saw. And I just praise you for this time. I praise you for the the gourds, the pumpkins, the the harvest, the scarecrows, all that stuff. Father, I don't care how much the devil has twisted these things and tried to make them his. I, while I too am troubled and ought to be, as all of us ought to be, by the commandeering of these days by Satan and his minions, 
I pray, Father, that you will instill upon each of our hearts a desire to use the weaponry of our spiritual warfare to come against these entities, to come against these witch covens, to come against the forces of darkness, to come against those who would do us ill and that would do horrible, horrible things that are unspeakable and we cannot repeat. And to use the gifts of your power to come against them in Jesus' name. But at the same time, to be able to look through the, through the um, holy goggles, I don't know what you want to call it, the holy um, supernatural vision, I don't know what to call it. Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. For us to be able to see the harvest season, to see the pumpkins, to see the turning of the leaves, and to recognize it for your beauty, without being distracted by that which has been stolen by the evil one. And to recognize each of these things for, for uh, the historical precedence that were, was set, even the, the, uh, the, uh, the Feast of Thanksgiving and the um, righteous, um, what are the words? Got to search them out. The righteous origins of those. Probably, maybe, as, as we might imagine, if we were to know intimately, all those who are involved in the origins of such, probably not entirely righteous, probably, I mean, how could they? Because we know, Father, that there really is not a truly righteous and holy era on this earth, with maybe just the exception of the small collections of the second century Christians, and maybe some of their generational offshoots, like the Polisians, the Albigens, the Bogomils, those who were treated as heretics by Pope Innocent III and the, um, the horrible, horrible things that were done through the mercenaries that were hired by the Catholic Church to destroy them as they walked hand in hand with their little children to be tied to stakes and burned alive. How many of our fellow brothers and sisters walked hand in hand singing songs of praise to you into the Colosseums of Nero to be burned alive? Oh, Father, may we have such courage as our fellow brothers and sisters who set a precedence of holiness and righteousness with no fear, being truly Christ-like, carrying their cross to their version of Calgotha praising you and singing your praise, not on their way to death, but on their way to life. With hearts that were truly gleeful, truly joyful, and excited, because finally they were to be set free. May we carry with us such a joy in our hearts as we see the darkness closing in on us. We praise you, Father, for all these things. We praise you, Father, for all these opportunities. For it is only through these that we would be in a place that we could accept such change, desire and seek such refinement, and want to be walking in perfect harmony as best as is possible for each of us in the flesh. To be one 
with the Godhead, cleansing our spirit of all filthiness through the fear of God, 2 Corinthians 7.1. We praise you and thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, glory to God. Thank you, Father. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise your holy name today. Thank you, Father. We praise you. Hallelujah. Tonight is the 6th of October, 2023. The time now is 7.44 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great, indeed. And tonight is the 21st of Tishri, 5784. And tonight together we light the Sabbath candles. Not because we have to, or you can call them the Shabbat candles. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Not because it's Friday night, because it can be any day. Just like it says in Romans 14. We praise you for lifting those restrictions from our lives. We thank you for revealing to us that there are rewards for those of us who desire to be so close to you and all that you are and the table that you have set before us to honor our King. And we light the candles together. I like to light three, one for the Father, you, Father, one for you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And one for you, our awesome Holy Spirit. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being in our presence. We praise you. Let us always have a truly humble and contrite spirit. For God save such who have a contrite spirit. Let us never be guilty of presumptuous sin. And then we'll be, we will be free of great transgressions before thee. Give us the mindset, the humility, and the tears. Let the waters flow of the tax collector in the parable of the tax collector and Pharisee. Help us to understand how utterly unworthy we are, for we are. And we pray, Father, that you will count us worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. The Hebrew Kadesh. Oh, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Wrong soundboard page. The Hebrew Kadesh. See, I told you I was tired. Wait until next week. I'm really going to be fumbling the ball. <laughs> Praise God, the Hebrew Kadesh. Aruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yav v'avratzon hinchilanu 
Zikaron le mase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila le mikra e kodesh. Zechelitziat mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta veotanu kidashta mikol hamim veshabat kodshecha beava uvratzon himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Praise God. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. For Father, we confess of our sins before you. Our sin is always before us. And in sin, our mothers conceived us. Wash us with your hyssop. Make us whiter than snow. And indeed, Father, we pray that you will continuously create within us an ever cleaner heart. That you will continuously in our walk of imperfection through your touch bring us to a place of greater greater holiness and righteousness for when we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness all these other things will be given unto us as you have promised for he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he our Lord Jesus is righteous May we all, with great humility, practice righteousness and seek you with all of our heart, taking with us pleasure, joy, peace, being utterly blessed by the even the notion that perhaps we have pleased you in our walk and how we feel in our heart. We pray that you will renew our mind continuously, for it is being battered by the darkness as we watch. For if we are to truly be obedient to your word, and we are to truly look and watch, for if the master of the house knew when the thief was coming, he would have been watching 
and you have given us more than enough information to know that that thief is coming. That our time is remarkably short in comparison. If we look at the timeline and just do a uh, an assessment in our hearts, one that is uh, at best qualitative, one that we cannot quantify, but yet at the same time become very excited about because of the intensity of the things that are happening around us. Because while we cannot define the word soon and we cannot define the word imminent, and we, what we can do is we can, we can certainly know in our hearts that, for lack of a better term, comparative to the past, comparative to 2027, comparative to 2010, comparative to 2019, for us to look at the timeline that has gone by since over the last 12 years, it becomes, well, more than self-evident in every possible way through the analysis of the explicit, the implicit, the, um, the things that we see as a fact that we know are happening that we've experienced through the loss of loved ones, in some cases through uh, being even touched by the pestilence and the evil that is being unleashed upon the world, some of us more than others, recognizing and praising you for those of our fellow brothers and sisters who were taken home to your glory as a result of this bioweapon attack that was allowed to happen to the people of the world, arguably the greatest judgment since the Noah's flood, and arguably one of the least of the judgments that are coming. And we have no idea. We don't. And I, I personally, for one, will not attempt it. I personally, for one, take peace and not knowing, I take a lot of peace in not knowing. But I praise you, and I pray that we all praise you. With great peace in our hearts, and great motivation in our hearts, and great excitement and hope in our hearts. Because while we can't nail it down, or should we, the very idea of taking peace by recognizing how comparatively close we are and that is liberating. Thank you, Father. It is so liberating. Lord, I pray, and I think others may join me in this. Some may not. Some may still have some fleshy fears in their hearts. Some may have some, some things that they want to do here on this earth. Oh, we call it in the flesh a bucket list. How sadly uh, missing of understanding and wisdom it is for us to have an earthly bucket list when the glory that awaits us in heaven dwindles anything that we could wish to do on this earth to being so insignificant that no one in their right mind would delay their departure over any of those desires. 
not recognizing that in the book of James it says that he he who is friends with the earth is at enmity with you, Father. How sad it is for those who would look over their shoulders like Lot's wife. I, for one, will not. I, for one, will sprint. I might have a bad knee, and I might be limping when I arrive. As a matter of fact, I will likely be limping when I arrive. But I'm running, and I won't look over my shoulder, and I pray in Jesus' name that not a one of us would even have the tiniest, the teensy-weentiest little feeling to look back over our shoulders, that we would run as fast as we can. always stopping to grab the hand of a fellow brother and sister to pull them along if they've fallen, helping to steady their course on the narrow path, to pull them along because they need a little extra oomph. Perhaps they're elderly. Perhaps they have knee surgery. We thank you, Father, and we praise you, because without you, there is no way we could endure these things. We thank you, Father, for revealing these things, and we give you all the praise. Praise you, Jesus. Cleanse and totally purify us. Totally purify us. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray and thank you. Thank you, Father. Praise God. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to take a look. I don't know. It's felt led, and then I'm going to share a couple things with you, and then we'll move on. The um, next week is going to be very tenuous for me. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. If you saw my work schedule, you would be like, uh, that's actually inhumane. <laughs> it, that is if you understand it. A lot of people would not. There's an awful lot of believers out there that uh, they've just never worked in what they call corporate America, corporate Belgium, corporate France, corporate whatever. They've never just, it's never been a part of their lives. They've never sat in front of an outlook schedule and said, this is not possible to do as a human being. (laughs) Okay. They just don't know what it, they they can't relate to it. And that's okay. Praise God. Um, But anyway, um, so I'm looking at uh, Luke 2136. I got to turn off that, uh, Uh, it's amazing how cool it can get here how, so rapidly in the Golden JIB Frosty Cold Studios tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I can't even see. It says it says it's 80 degrees. It's probably more like 78 outside. And then with air conditioning, it can get really frosty inside. <laughs> Praise God if your AC is working pretty good. But anyway, um, Luke 2136. I'm looking at, it says, you know, watch ye therefore always and pray, or and pray always, because, you know, the Hebrew goes in the opposite direction, right to left. I'm sorry, this is Greek. My bad. Watch ye therefore always and pray that ye may be accounted worthy to escape these things. And then it puts the word all after that, which means all these things um, that shall come to pass. And stand before the Son of Man. And um, we know, praise you, Lord, that uh, the only way uh, 
you know, through the testimony of those who have been taken to heaven, voted hat-tricks 81 times, 81 visits to heaven, maybe more. I don't know. I think he said 81. Highly recommend that you take the time to listen to Odin, Hetrick's Heaven Testimony on YouTube. It's still there. I've checked. And he explains that the vast majority of believers, almost all of them really, when they enter into heaven, enter into the, what he calls the suburbs, It really is very much like a like a true. Um, I don't know how familiar you are, praise God, with um, you know old English movies. I was watching the other day um, the most recent rendition of Robin Hood from Nottingham, <laughs> and how the castles would oftentimes be lifted up and high on a hill. They'd lead a siege to the castles from down below. And that's where all the, uh, you know, the regular folk lived. But anyway, as we, the vast majority, if not in the high 90, probably 98, 99% of all believers, when they enter into heaven, enter into the outer suburbs where the country mansions are located. Some will have country mansions and City mansions, both. Now, I don't mean this to sound flippant at all, please. But at the same time, I do muse a little bit, tongue-in-cheek, at the idea of having a country mansion and a city mansion because already my very humble home here is way, way too much for me to clean. (laughs) So forget that. Okay, but um, I do find it, I don't know, I can't put my arm around it. Nor do I really even care to, honestly. I don't. Um, I've heard incredible testimonies of beauty that is beyond, um, can't put it into words. You can't. You can't. I've heard testimony that our Heavenly Father knows what we like. If we like dark leathers or burgundy leathers, then our furniture will be burgundy leathers. If we like the look of an old English, uh, you know, the, the look of old English workmanship where you have the dark walnut woods and the um, brass, the shining brass like gold and things like that, that you know, if that's what you like, if, if that's what you want your library then yes, you do get to read, and you do have big libraries, but I can guarantee you don't have any of the books that are inside the school systems right now. But yeah, we have we can sit and read in a library with, covered with dark walnut woods. The kind of beauty that you see in only, you know, a $100 million home today. But at the same time, I while I'm impressed with such beauty, um, you know, if we like to play golf, it's my understanding that we may very well live in a golf course. If we like to grow vegetables or do farming things, that we would live on a farm. If we like to bake, and I I understand that many um, of the believers get together very frequently, and they bake, and they cook, and they talk about things, and share stories. 
a lot of fellowship, a lot of love. The love thing is you can't capture it in words. That's the one thing that every single person that's been taken to heaven, they're not able to quantify it. They can't explain it. They just say things like love is everywhere. They talk about people they don't recognize in very large numbers who treat them as if they've known them for all of eternity. I understand why. But many wouldn't. And they don't in their testimonies either. But it's because we pre-existed. They are fellow brothers and sisters of ours from a time before there was time. Or if it was during a time when there was time, which it could be, it would be during the times the time during the Luciferian Rebellion. Fascinating how God found sin in him that obviously someone had gone and ratted out Lucifer for his unacceptable behaviors. That's how God found sin in him. Past tense, he was already doing it. And our Heavenly Father was alerted to it after the fact. It's amazing, isn't it? We often, I know that I, it has crossed my mind the idea that our Heavenly Father would micromanage us. But obviously he didn't Lucifer. Otherwise sin would not have been found in him after the fact. Amazing it becomes when we realize that it's our good pleasure to want to be in total, in, in the, boy, how do you put this in the words? Can you imagine being in heaven, whether you're living in a, you know, Thomas Kincaid, modest, beautiful home in the suburbs? Maybe you don't have a city mansion. That's okay. But it's amazing, you know, when you look at, now, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure I studied it pretty well. But if you look at every place that the uh, outer darkness is mentioned in the scripture, and I think I'll do this real quick. Outer, outer darkness. Praise you, Jesus. There we go. It's, uh, oh, wow. It's only in the book of Matthew. I find that very fascinating. Hmm. It says, you've got Matthew 8, verse 12. You've got Matthew 22, verse 13. And you've got Matthew 25, verse 30. Fascinating. Matthew 8, 12. Let's read it. It's so, this is some cool stuff. Praise God. So in Matthew 8, verse 10, yep, it says, when Jesus heard it, hold on a second, maybe I need to back up just a little bit. Jesus heals the centurion servant. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, 
I will come and heal him. Then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such a great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 11, And I say to you, that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Please stop. Please, in the name of Jesus, think, think hard, really hard. This is where the church goofs up bad. This is where they were often, not often, continuously misled. And it's so utterly heartbreaking. Jesus says in Matthew 8, verse 11, it says, And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Right there you have a precedent set. So for those preachers and teachers out there, call them whatever you want, that say the outer darkness is hell. You're going to have to explain to me why the Scripture explicitly states that you will be in the presence of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm pretty sure Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not in hell. Verse 12, it says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, as you have been delivered, so let it be done for you. And the servant was healed in the same hour. If you go to the Greek, and I wish I was doing this on my olive tree with the enhanced Strong's and the Bible Dictionary combination because it's absolutely incredible. I'm doing this with something different, though. Uh, praise you, Jesus. Oh, oh, I didn't move my cursor. Okay. Hold on a second. Praise you, Lord. Okay, so it's even further down. My bad. Okay. Further down, further down, further down. Hallelujah. Israel, I have found not one. There we go. East, okay. They will come from the east and the west with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Notice that it doesn't say the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is all of creation. It's all the universes. It's all the dimensions. It's all the trillions of life forms. That's the kingdom of God. The earth is inside the kingdom of God. But in a hologram. (laughs) 
Okay, and then you see, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into darkness, outer. Into darkness, outer. Okay, so we have Strong's NT4655 for darkness. We have Strong's 1857 for outer. And I need my other praise you Jesus. I need my other um I need I need my olive tree. Um hold on a second. We're hold on a second. Kingdom of heaven shall be cast out into hold on. There we go. Outer Hold on. I'm trying to double-click on it. It's fighting me. The computer is not cooperating. Um, yeah, I don't have my um, I don't have my proper I don't have my proper uh, study tools um, up in front of me right now, so I can't. But inside, I'm pretty sure it was inside of the olive tree where I found it said the shadowy area. Okay, which you know again. But anyway, so if you go back just for for holy biblical enjoyment, we'll say. You go to the next verse, Matthew twenty two thirteen, and we look at the next reference to outer darkness. And let's take a look at this. So in Matthew twenty two, oh, and by the way, Matthew twenty two, oh, it's one of my favorite parables. It's the one that delineates between the barley harvest the wheat harvest, okay, which is the final harvest. It's the one which talks about uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged for a marriage for his son. That would be our heavenly father and our, and our Lord Jesus. And he sent out his servants, that's us, to call those who were invited to the wedding, but they were not willing to come. Verse 4, here's where it gets interesting. Again, he sent out other servants. The, the word other is it, it, it does exist. It's not a Strong's nine 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 nine. It wasn't assumed by the for, by those who did the translation. It's really the word is actually there, and it means a different group. You understand? That's amazing. Okay, so there's a confirmation of the barley harvest versus the wheat harvest. Why would our heavenly Father need to send out other servants? Because the first group weren't isn't there anymore. All right, but then it goes down to verse 11. It says, but when the king came to see the guests. Now, remember, because, okay, so we got, so to paint the picture, it says, so again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, fat of cattle are killed, and the hall, things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it. <laughs> yeah, sure, the wedding. <laughs> yeah, right. They say they would, of course, they would say things like, "No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father." Ah, phooey on the, nah. I have a, I have an appointment with a Mercedes dealer. See, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen come to the wedding, but they made light of it and went their way, went back to their farms, back to their businesses. And then the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. Whoa. So the people that are the other servants, 
not the first group. Did you notice that? doesn't say anything. There's no seizing of the first group. King of heaven, like a certain king, had arranged for a marriage of his son, sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, but they were not willing to come. That group, it doesn't say anything about them being seized, them being treated spitefully, or them being killed. Not a one, not a word, nothing, not even a hint. Why do you suppose that is? I know what I think. I think that the barley harvest, the first fruits, leaves the earth before that level of persecution comes on them. That's what I believe. But you know why? Because I read parables like the newspaper. And to me, they're literal, they're explicit, and they're clear. And it goes on, but when the king heard about it, our Heavenly Father, about you know his the second group of servants being treated spitefully, And killed, it says, when the king heard about it, he was furious. So our Heavenly Father would be angry, in this case. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Now, watch this. Why would, how would he destroy those murderers and burn up their city? Hmm? Sounds nuclear to me. Nuclear fire. Burn up their city. Go read Revelation 18. Verse 8, it says, Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready. So this is the second group. And our Heavenly Father says to the servants that are still around, still alive, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants, the second group, went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both the good and the bad, both the good and the bad. And the wedding hall was filled with what? Guests. So when all these horrible things are coming upon the earth, And the final harvest, which is by far much larger. Why? Because it's hell on earth. World War III. Nuclear bombs. Whereas Psalm 91 says, those fiery arrows that fly across the sky. Missiles. And the second group of servants that were still on the earth, which I would call the wheat harvest, they do the greatest harvesting of the greatest number of souls during the 40 days after the three days of darkness, which occurs during the day of the Lord. Which is what Isaiah 13 is talking about. Joel 2 is talking about. That's the day of the Lord. All that stuff is the day of the Lord. It doesn't have, I mean, it's just right there. These are otherworldly beings. They are not from here. And they're not fallen angels. It doesn't say anything about that. It says that God brings them to the earth. He sends them to the earth for his judgment. The day of the Lord. But it's fascinating because when you see what it says, it goes on to say in verse 11. Now, remember that it just said that the second group of servants went and found the good and the bad all along the highways. 
and the wedding hall was full of guests. How merciful of a father to allow those at the very split last second to be allowed to come as guests to the wedding supper. That's amazingly merciful. And then it says in verse 11, but when the king came to see the guests, oh, now this is cool. You know what this means, don't you? It means our heavenly father is going to show up at the wedding supper. Is that awesome or what? But when the king came to see the guests, <laughs> it's our heavenly father coming into the wedding hall. Oh, man, is that going to be cool or what? Oh, man. Please, Lord, come quickly. Do not delay. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be sitting there going, wow. And it says, um, it says, when the king came to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. In other words, there's, let's just say that there's obviously prescribed dress code. How about that? And it says, so he said to him, this is our Heavenly Father, friend, how did you come in here without a, without the appropriate attire? <laughs> it says without a wedding garment, but you know. And he was speechless. He was like, I don't know. Okay, but you gotta put you gotta put it in perspective. He, you're at the wedding supper right now. Where is the wedding supper? Is it out in the outer darkness? Is it out in the shadowy area? Is it out in the country area? Is it out in the suburbs? No, it's in the kingdom of God. It's in the, it's 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 on Mount Zion. I'm sorry, it's in the kingdom of heaven. It's on Mount Zion, where there is no shadow of turning, where the glory of God lights it up 24 by 7, 365. It's continuous. And I know I say 24 by 7, 365, but 365, what is that based on? The Earth's rotation. So 365 is no longer relevant. <laughs> Because we don't know what the the rotational periodicity is of planet Evan, do we? You know, for all we know, a year on planet Heaven could be 7 billion Earth years. We don't know these things, do we? But here we are at the wedding supper. Our Heavenly Father walks in and he sees somebody who doesn't have on that isn't adhering to the, the the prescribed dress code. <laughs> and he asked him, hey, hey, you're not wearing the same clothes as everybody else. What's that all about? And the guy's like, oh, well, then our father says to him, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out into the outer darkness, which is the area outside of Mount Zion, into the country area, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not about being in hell. This is about being, can you imagine how someone would feel? Sitting in the wedding supper, can you imagine what it looks like there? Can you even begin to imagine? I don't think you can. I've got a vivid imagination, and let me tell you, I can't. I can't even come close. I wouldn't even try it because I know already I would fail miserably. I couldn't come close. I can't even. There's no way. 
And I'm a very decorative individual. I probably would have made a great wedding planner, although I'm glad that I did never do that. But I'm just saying, you know, I'm that's just me. I'm very, uh, I don't know, whatever. I'm very decorative. I decorate a lot. My house is very ornate. <laughs> like even to this moment in time, I have fall, October garland, you know, um, fall leaf, fall leaf gar- garland, you know, purples and reds and yellows and oranges and stuff, you know, over the top of my, you know, uh, double glass sliding doors. I don't know what to call them. I don't know what to call them. But yeah, I just it's just how I am. Praise God. But look at it. Bind him hand and feet and take him away, cast him cast, cast him out. I would I would even go as far as to say if you if you if you get yourself a copy of the Johnny Baptist version of the Bible, take him foot d- 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 take take him bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out of Mount Zion, out into the country into the suburbial area. Get him out of here. He's not he's not, he doesn't have the right attire. He he's not allowed to be here. Can you imagine? But it would feel like when you realize that you didn't, you weren't allowed to be, even be a guest. For many are called and few are chosen. Hmm. That's really interesting. I don't think we can reason through that. That that there is a, a choice, a decision that could only come from our Heavenly Father and our King Jesus. But understand where they are. It's not about hell. Never was, never will be. 25, Matthew 25, 30. Here, you have the parable of the talents and rewards, which I covered on another show. I won't go back and review that. What I will share with you is where it starts in 25 verse 29. After the parable, the talents and rewards wraps up, explaining, you know, take that talent from them and give it to the one who has ten talents. And then it says in verse 29, it says, For to everyone who has, more will be given. So, if you have rewards, yeah? Don't have to fill those blanks in. That's not a, that's not a deep thought thing. You don't have to meditate upon that and pray on it for weeks on your knees. That's pretty obvious. So, for anyone who has rewards, more rewards will be given. And he will he who will have abundance from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, outside of Mount Zion, out into the country area, the suburb area, which is where ninety nine point nine 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 I'm just, you know, using that map as a Kind of like an analogy, and this was testified by Odin Hetrick by many others that were taken to heaven. I've read testimonies on this show. I read the testimony of the man 
Othisu or something like that just a couple of shows ago, I think. Brother Othisu, I think it was, you know, was taken to heaven and he was shown that the further out you go away from Mount Zion, the further out you go, the smaller, you know, you have apartment buildings way out there. And when you uh, combine the testimonies of many people who are taken to heaven, the smaller, see, the less, the more you give while you're here. Oh, and by the way, be very careful. It's got to be out of love. Because as it says, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul says, though I give my body to be burned and all this other stuff, you know, if I don't do it out of love, it profits me nothing. The word profit is used because it has to do with rewards. It profits you nothing. It's reward. It's funny, right here it says in verse 30, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. (laughs) Where people will really be bummed out, weeping and gnashing of teeth. How do you gnash your teeth? I don't even want to think about that. That to me sounds like a trip to the dentist. I will thank you, Jesus, for no more of those. But isn't it fascinating, Matthew 8, 12, Matthew 22, 13, and Matthew 25, 30. The setting. What is the setting? What is the setting? Well, in 8, 12, and 22, 13, there is no debating it. The setting is in Mount Zion, literally at the wedding supper. It's amazing. How someone could munge that understanding into being anything other than where it says it is. It says it explicitly. It's very, very clear. The words are not ambiguous. There's no vagueness whatsoever to to what's going on and where you are as these things are happening. It's amazing. Praise God. It's not really subject to misinterpretation for anybody who even takes the time to read it at all. And uh, so many don't understand. I've had people tell me, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, it's so sad, that the way they were taught, that the foolish virgins are going to hell. And I'm like, wow. Now that is heartbreaking. They wouldn't be virgins if they were going to hell. In order to be even classified as a virgin that you have to see Jesus as your bridegroom. Therefore, the foolish virgins are still virgins, and Jesus is still their bridegroom. They just weren't as wise as they should have been. They were foolish. They missed the opportunity to watch They made light of the invitation to the wedding supper. They made light of it. Went back to their farms and their businesses. (laughs) Not anytime soon in my life. Made light of it. They went to the gun stores and bought lots of ammunition. Thinking. That's the difference between sin and iniquity. Or should I say, iniquity 
and sin. What comes first, iniquity or sin? Iniquity comes first. Iniquity is the perversion of thought that leads to the sin. I'll give you an example of my iniquity. <laughs> well, I promise I'll leave it to one, because if I, if I give you more examples, then that's the show. It's a wrap. <laughs> there isn't enough time. But one example. So, I was raised in a non-denominational charismatic church whose pastor and uh, pastor's wife were ex-Mennonites who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and had to leave the Mennonite gathering because the Mennonite gathering does not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. So they had to leave. So it was their desire to establish a church. So somehow the Lord enabled them through his you know, through God, with God, all things are possible, 19, Matthew 19.26. So, somehow, I don't know how, they never said. They were able to rent a closed-down hardware store in, what, in a place called Rutherford, Pennsylvania. It's a little area between Hummelstown and the outskirts of Harrisburg which is the capital city. It's called Rutherford. They found a closed department store. And they somehow, through somehow, I don't know how, I don't know how, they were able to get, uh, to do what was required to convert that hardware store into a church with pews and all that. They only had so many pews, and then they had folding tables, and then a lot of most uh, humongous number of the uh, services, particularly those on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, because they did Wednesday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'm sorry, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Never fail, never missed, always. And they had special, I don't want to call them special. It was very common where the entire service was dedicated to getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. The whole service. That's all he, that's all he did. Okay, so I would start out with praise, a little bit of a word from Pastor Luke Weaver, and um, they had an organ. <laughs> How classic, right? An organ. You remember those instruments? An organ. Now we have MOOC synthesizers and all that. That was a basic old, you know, organ <laughs> and um, people would it would be it was very much like first Corinthians chapter 15 you know where it where Paul admonishes the church of Corinth you know what an orderly church or how an orderly church behaves because people were just kind of they didn't have order you know there was there were a lot of challenges with the church of Corinth but anyway, long story short, Paul gives the example of, you know, he says that if you're going to be speaking in tongues, you need to have somebody there to interpret the tongues because otherwise it is not meaningful to the body. So why would you why would you just interrupt the entire flow of the assembly and start going, Why would you do that? 
It's an interruption. So Paul said, look, you don't do that. You have to have somebody there that has the gift of interpretation of tongues. And then he would tell you to do it three times only. Only three times. Somebody would speak in tongues. So at Grace Chapel, they would... um, praising the whole assembly would start praising and everybody be lifting up their hands. I mean, as far as I, I was a little kid, you know, I couldn't see over everybody. They were all adults around me. I was just a little kid, a little nine-year-old kid. Maybe, well, when I first started, I was only about six or seven. And then, uh, you know, I really couldn't see much, you know, but, you know, then I got to be about nine. I don't know how tall I was back then. I have no idea. But I know I couldn't see over people's hands. I know that because they were all raised. And the entire assembly, the whole place was just lit up. I mean, it was just people were praising and speaking in tongues. And the intensity of the praise was, oh, man, that you can't put it into words. The intensity and the unity and the power of the praise in one accord, it was astonishing. I have not seen that. Let's see, what is 61 minus 9? Well, 60, 61 minus 10 would be 51, so if it's not, it'd be 52. So in 52 years, I have never seen anything like it. In 52 years. 52. And let me tell you, I have been in a lot of gathering and a lot of church building. A lot. Did I say that emphatically enough? A lot. And the praise was powerful, really powerful. And then invariably, somebody would speak in tongues. And then the whole ecclesia would get quiet. In unison, you could hear a pin drop. And then out of the sea of believers and worshipers, a lone voice would go, Yea, saith the Lord of hosts, for you are my people, for you are my people. Uh, you know, and, and it was oh, it's just amazing to go through that three times every service. Anyway, praise God. So I pray in Jesus' name that it was meaningful to you to explore the outer darkness and to just say to yourself, why, why, why do we hear such wrongful teachings? Why do we hear things? Why do people make stuff up? Why don't they look at the details? Why don't they understand that? Why don't they see the synergy? Why don't they see how it all weaves together? Why don't they see it? What's wrong? Why do they teach wrongful things, misleading the flock? As it says in Ezekiel 34, you have, you know, and I'm totally summarizing, but it's a pretty long judgment, but it's a judgment of the shepherds. And, and of course, the uh, formally trained, uh, formally trained uh, preachers and folks that have been to Bible college 
They're taught the day they walk in the door. Oh, everything's got to be context, 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 context. Everything's got to be context. If you don't look at the context, you won't understand what it means. You'll get confused. You've got to apply dispensationalism because otherwise, how can we not make up reasons to cheat? And, why, and how can we not figure out ways to sin? We must use context. Jesus was only talking to the Jews. Nothing that he said applied to us. We are Gentiles grafted onto the olive tree. Therefore, not Nothing that he said in Luke 10 verse, verse 19 means anything to us. It wasn't applicable to us. It was only for the Jews. That is Satan using dispensationalism to split the Bible into compartmentalized sections for the purpose of justifying sin. Okay. So similarly, when you realize that it is that our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus are one, John 10.30, and you go back into the Old Testament, you, you can easily know in your spirit as you're reading things like Ezekiel 34 that it's talking about us. So, what happens is people will use the um, this idea of context, which is used satanically. Again, Jesus stood before Peter, right? His hand-chosen apostle, who he happened to love very much. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Can you imagine that? So you've got Ezekiel 34... And um, the New King James gives it a subtitle of Irresponsible Shepherds. And it goes, And the word of the Lord came upon me, saying, Son of men, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Ah, but stop for just a second. Who is Jesus? Is he and the Father one? Are we not grafted onto the olive tree, Israel? Who are we in Christ? It's all over the Bible. As a matter of fact, I have a book entitled God's Israel. God's Israel. So what happens is those who have been to such and such a Bible college walk out and they're they have tunnel vision, and they look at everything sliced and diced. Oh, well, this is only for those in Israel. Is it? And the answer is no, it's not. It is not. As a matter of fact, I have a, uh, a special translation of the Bible behind me. And it has in blue letter text... All throughout the Old Testament, all the prophecies and references to Jesus, whether they be in metaphor, analogy, or whatever the case is, because Jesus is all over the Old Testament. Of course he is. Of course he is. But it goes on to say, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Do you think this is applicable to the shepherds today? Absolutely. Do you think it's applicable to the shepherds in um, uh, Babylon the Great? Do you think it's applicable to the shepherds that are in uh, 
you know, Europe or the shepherds that are in Africa or the shepherds that are in New Zealand or the shepherds that are in, uh, you know, Papua New Guinea or the shepherds that are in, you know, Vanuatu, okay, or Spiritu Santu or whatever. Huh? Do you think? Think it's applicable to them? What do the shepherds who feed themselves? Should you not? Should you shepherds not feed the flocks? You eat of the fat and clothe and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatty fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Hmm. Now, do you think feeding the flock might include talking a little bit about hell, talking a little bit about the penalties of sin? Talking a little bit about that if we don't forgive, the Father will not forgive us. Talking a little bit about the negative battery of the terminal. Good luck finding that in the church. Of today, where they will heap up for themselves fables and in the very last days. And aren't we there now? Because of itchy years. It even goes on to say, because, it says, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth. And no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, says the Lord. Surely, because my flock became prey. For what? YouTube. Facebook, yes, I'm going to use this colloquialism. If I had a dime for every Christian I had to call down out of a tree because they joined some prayer group on YouTube or Facebook or whatever and were attacked by Satan through another Christian or so-called I'd be doing this show from using a huge satellite <laughs> on my 40-foot sailing yacht outside of St. Martin. <laughs> of course, just a little levity, but anyway. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Using them for food. There's a testimony of a pastor on spiritlessons.com who he was a pastor of a church. And he did not realize, evidently, or so the story goes, or so the testimony goes, that he was supposed to um, tithe from the offerings of the church. So he was doing his pastor thing and, you know, had all this congregation and they would pump the collection plate and then he would get all this money. And, of course, he would invest it back into the church and he would, you know, Eat, eat from it. Fix up his house, buy a new car, put on a new, put on a new roof, make the parking lot bigger, all that kind of stuff. He didn't realize he was supposed to tithe from the tithe. So before he took care of the church building and his own home and et cetera, et cetera, he was supposed to tithe out of that. A minimum of 10%. But in Christian giving, it's more than that. 10% is your baseline. If all you're squeaking out is 10%, hopefully you're, you know, the widow that has nothing to give. 
I have a couple of widow's mites here. I bought something from Israel and they sent me them. I wonder where they are. Oh, here they are. Praise God. Little, they give them to me in a piece of plastic. I don't know if you can hear them. Nah, there's no way. No, there's no way you can. I'm tapping the two widow's mites together. They're actually kind of neat. I wonder if they're a perfect replica or not. But anyway, the pastor didn't know that he was supposed to tithe out of the tithes. He didn't know. And something happened and he died and went to heaven. What a merciful thing for our father to do for him. Because when he went to heaven, he saw where he was going to live. And it was a very tiny place. And he was befuddled and blown away. And he asked, why? What did I do wrong? And the Lord or the angel or whoever it was that was giving him the tour said, because you didn't tithe out of the church offerings, you've given nothing back into the kingdom. And this is your reward. And evidently, he was allowed to come back to the earth. And uh, let me tell you what, that guy gave. Just like, you know, you've got uh, Francis Chan, who woke up to his megachurch out in the La Jolla, California area, north of San Diego, and said to himself, wait a minute, I'm reading, you know, unlike most pastors, he actually read the Bible. Unlike most pastors, he actually read it and said, wait a minute, all these things Jesus told, said that we were supposed to be like is the opposite of what I am. This is not the way it is. And he left the church, Walked away. Now, I guess they transferred or whatever to some other pastor, if that's what you want to call it. And he he went and he sold everything, and they downsized to a little teeny house, or you know, so his testimony goes. And um, and then he went on the circuit, you know, to every place that would have him, he, traveling the world, and giving his testimony. And it's an amazing testimony. It's fab. It's absolutely fabulous. Now, you know, but anyway, so praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for all of these things, all of these testimonies to help us understand and all the mercy. Father God, we praise you. All the mercy that you have given us by sharing with us these things and helping us to be able to embrace and vision the vastness of your glory, to have some foundational understandings as weak as they probably are, or flawed, or inadequate, as they almost certainly are, to be able to understand how big this all is. To know in advance to know in advance the opportunity that you've laid before us and the opportunity and what that opportunity might yield should we take and grab a hold of that opportunity. Always remembering the parable of the workers in the vineyard and how Jesus gave the same rewards, the same pay to those who showed up late. 
praise God that our Heavenly Father has given us the time that we have, even now, to serve Him. And before I share this prophecy and move on with the prayer vigil, I'm going to let you know a couple of things, just a couple of brief things. Um, the FBI, this isn't to creep you out or anything. This is to encourage you. But if you have some, if you're at a different place in your walk, and you're still bound by a fleshy human um, understanding of who you are in in Christ, then this would instill fear in your heart. But if you have already given up your life for the Lord, then you got nothing to look forward to, which is a huge blessing. You don't have to worry about looking forward to your kid going to college or having children or any of that kind of stuff. The only thing you got to look forward to is Jesus and being in his presence. So you're not like torn between two lovers kind of thing. You only got one lover. The FBI has officially proclamated forward. In other words, the announcement is on paper. It is known. It has been spoken forth. It is now a fact. It is such a fact that it's being talked about on Fox News. It's being talked about on all the mainstream media. And they're not hiding it. And they're not downplaying it either. They are, um, what would you call it, amplifying it. The announcement has been officially made that anyone who is a Trump supporter, which really is, I don't know, but anyone who is a Trump supporter is now officially identified by the Federal Bureau of Investigation of the United States of Babylon the Great as an extremist subject to arrest. Be advised. This coming Sunday, I will be playing the Jesse Waters um, report right off of Fox News on that. But it's not just Jesse Waters. There are probably thousands that are talking about it right now. It's very big news. The other thing is there is a noteworthy increase in sky trumpet sounds. I'm going to play this this coming Sunday as well. But I want you to hear this. I'm just going to give you a little taste of it. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Praise God. Give me a second. Okay, hold on. Uh, Wow. I'm lucky to be able to hear. I had my headphones on and the volume was incredibly loud. Um, Here, let me back down the uh, volume. This is stuff you have to experience. You have to be able to hear it. If you don't hear it with your own ears, no one is going to be able to explain it to you. So I'm going to see if this even comes over the the radio show. I do not know if it will properly. All right. Hold on just a second. Okay. Okay. There we go. Praise God. 
All right, let me see if I can play at least the first one of these. This is a series of captured... I know these are alien motherships. I believe that. I've known this for years. I've been telling people this for years, for over 12 years. I have played the evidence more than once. There have even been times when these things, these sounds would be heard where they were able to see the mothership in the sky. Um... Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. But Christians love it because they're like, oh, it's, you know, like they'll put up like they have here uh, on this particular video. They have Revelation uh, chapter 8-2 where they're talking about the the, um, the angels with trumpets during the trumpet judgments, you know. And they're like, you know, com- they're saying, well, these are the these must be the angels of judgment in Revelation chapter 8. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> okay, but that's all right. That's all right. Hey, listen, you know, if they want to tie these sounds to Jesus coming, praise God. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as the end state, the 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 result of them doing whatever it is, presenting this information, if the end result leads to somebody seeking Jesus, praise God. That's awesome. All right, so let's listen to this very first one. It is an ominous one. I cannot imagine what it must have been like to stand there outside of your house and hear this. Let's let's give it a try. I'm standing outside their house. Pointing the camera up in the sky. This is crazy, man. This is crazy, man. Like a trumpet. Like a judgment trumpet. Can you hear that noise? It goes on with a compilation. But that first one is, wow. Here it goes. I mean, you have to admit. And these, now not all of them, not all of them. But some of these are way more dramatic than the stuff that we were hearing back in 2011, 12. 2012 was loaded with them, praise God. So we have that dynamic that's occurring where the, uh, call them strange sounds, call them sky trumpets, call them whatever you want to call them. Those are increasing an awful lot now to the point where folks on TikTok have <laughs> it's prevalent. It's it's all over the place. As a matter of fact, the the word is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. All right, praise God. Um so you got that. And um you have um hold on just a second. Oop, there we go. Oop, there it is. Praise you Jesus. Hold on a second. This is important. Praise you, Father. I'm scrolling. Give me a sec. There we go. I want to mark it. I'm not going to play it for you. I'm going to play it on Sunday night. But uh, the nine-foot-tall Draco reptilian that also is referred to as Hillary Clinton from one of the most satanic, murderous, adrenochrome-drinking, baby-killing, slaughtering, human-sacrifice families known as the Rodhams, um, is now 
I don't want to say that she's going on some grand tour. That is not the case. But she is. She's. There's an audio. She's telling everybody this. She's telling everybody that the people who follow Trump or the people who like Trump, the people who want to restore America to the way it used to be, which, you know, I mean, folks, come on to us. We're not we're citizens of heaven. I mean, really, it's just uh, to us. It's like shrugging of the shoulders, really. But she's telling everybody on, it's well known, it's everywhere. I mean, it's ubiquitous. <laughs> that the MAGA people ought to be gathered up and reprogrammed. What she means is put into a FEMA camp, just like they're doing to the uh, Uyghurs in China. That's what she wants. That's what she wants. So they're talking about gathering us up. I mean, those of us who, you know, I, I don't know that they could gather me up because, you know, I don't think that anyone could say I'm a Trump fan. I think that he has a long history of knowing the evil that's in this country. I know it. I've seen television shows, him on The Tonight Show, all that kind of stuff, talking about it, you know, 25 years ago, 20. 30 years ago even. Okay, so the, the way he refers to all the things that are happening out there is nothing new. Nothing new at all. This isn't, you know, it's stuff he's been talking about for decades and decades and decades. Okay. So anyway, um, so, uh, it, you know, they see him as, and the belief system. It's not just him. It's the belief system, this idea that, as a matter of fact, I have a testimony, for what it's worth, of um, a, uh, and I'm going to play that on Sunday as well, of, so what happened, what it is, is there's this video where this guy is part of this, I don't know, some kind of a group of Christians, and uh they make the claim that uh, we're beating the New World Order. We're, they make the claim that uh, Klaus Schwab and his band of bandits are on the run. That's what they do. They make the claim. But they're wrong. They're powerfully, powerfully, powerfully wrong. Um, because if you listen very carefully to the examples that they give, um, you discover that when the shape-shifting reptilian Draco entities that are uh, leading the World Economic Forum, when they talk, they're referring to Donald Trump and the belief system that he espouses and the people that, uh, you know, believe in the whole Make America Great Again thing. Uh, The World Economic Forum Draco reptilians are very clear that that mindset, that mindset uh, derails their plans of a one world government. There's also a an enormous number, we'll say, of reports which I cannot trust and I cannot verify. And I don't believe them. 
I'm going to go on record right now. I could be wrong, and I might have to eat crow, but I'm going to say I don't believe them. But what they're saying is that Putin has declared war on Klaus Schwab and his team, and that they are legitimate military targets. I do not believe that. I don't think he could care less. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but there's a lot of that out there as well. And also, you have the testimony of the gentleman, which we'll be going over one more time on Sunday, who's an insider to DISA, the Defense Information Systems Agency, DARPA, all that kind of weird creepiness. And he talks about the Marlberg. There's... Uh, Marlberg viruses injected into um, all the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine recipients. And yes, you know, I, I, you know, unfortunately, there were an awful lot of people that announced to the world that uh, the emergency test the other day on Wednesday was going to release that. Marlberg contagion and people would be walking around with foaming mouths like zombies as part of it. Not yet. But I can tell you that I took a secondary review, a second look, a second look of the data that the uh, person whistleblowing gave. You know, for example, Conplan 8888 is legitimate. And on page two, it does have threats and variations of the threats associated with a breakout of a zombie apocalypse. Okay? And um, and I can tell you that there is a such thing as the 1PAPA36 deletion syndrome. 1P36 deletion syndrome. Now, this is being testified by an individual whose name is Todd Callender, and he is uh, testifying about this, whistleblowing about it on a podcast radio show called The Prather Point. But I looked into these things today, and I was able to download Conplan 8888, and sure enough, on page two, it does have zombie apocalypse threats of different types. Why would it have that? Why would the military have a plan, a playbook, on how to deal with zombie apocalypse breakouts if this protocol, one, Papa, three, six, deletion syndrome, is not true? And then I looked up the terminology that he was using. And it's all verifiable. It's all verifiable. Did it happen during this last emergency test? No. Did the BBC make all of those of us who reported that it was probably going to happen or whatever the case is, they, they call us out, make us all look like a bunch of raving lunatics like they always do? Yes. Matter of fact, I wrote an article in 20, I believe it was 2011. And the article, I don't remember the title of it. I wish I did, but I don't. Um, but the article title, it, or the article, spoke, communicated to the reader 
that they were intentionally making fools out of us on purpose. That's part of their modus operandi. They do that on purpose. So what they're going to do is tell the whole world in the headline that those wacky, incredibly inept, dangerous MAGA conspiracy theorists are telling everybody that there's going to be a zombie apocalypse because of the emergency test. So what happened? We all lose credibility. People scoff. They laugh. I don't want to hear a word we have to say because we're nuts and we deserve to be locked up. Throw them in the FEMA camp. Throw them in the FEMA camp. They need reprogramming now. They're a danger to society. These entities are ten times more intelligent than the average human being. Fallen angelic beings, fallen angels. Praise God. All right, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's go back to the prayer vigil with the time that we have left. As soon as we play, if I can move my fingers properly, as soon as we play or uh, read um, this prophecy from Wings, Wings of Prophecy, which was sent to me by our brother Justin I'm not going to say his last name alright but anyway thank you brother for sending this in because it's awesome so at Wings of Prophecy which he likes to refer to as Just Praise Him um, it's entitled Miracles quote I was in my morning prayer time when I asked the Lord to tell me about his final harvest revival. Now, please take note. While I do not know, this is not passing judgment. It is merely an observation. This is not meant in a negative fashion. It's purely an observation. I do not know if this individual has any idea that there are three distinct separate rescue missions or watches or raptures, okay? Don't know. I really, truly don't know. And quite honestly, I don't care. Because it's our job to discern. It's our job to know these things. It's our job to hear what God is telling us. It's our job to read and discern. And it says right here, I was in my morning prayer when I asked the Lord to tell me about his final harvest revival. See, when when I see the words final harvest, that's down the road a long ways. Well, I don't know how long, but it's pretty far. You know, compared to where we are now, it's pretty far down the road. All right. We know that the wheat harvest doesn't actually happen, which is the final harvest, doesn't actually happen until things get unbelievably dark in the day of the Lord and World War III and all that kind of stuff. That's when the big harvest comes. It says, in this revival, long-standing prayers will be answered in the blink of an eye. Prodigals will be saved. And not only in the revival services, but wherever they are. For those who have not ceased interceding for them in this time. So if you are interceding for your daughter 
or you are interceding for your son, or you are interceding for other people, right here is a godly confirmation that God is going to answer those prayers because you're interceding for them right now. You may not even be on the earth when God answers those prayers. It goes on to say, I will touch them wherever they are, and they will give their hearts to me, and they will forever be changed, and all will know that I am the Lord. Pray, my children, pray. Do not cease to pray daily for those you love who are unsaved, for I will save them if you will pray in faith. Pray no matter what you see for the battle of their souls is very great. Your enemy fights to keep them Yet he knows I will save them as you continue praying. As you continue praying. Pray. It ends with the word all by itself on its own line. Pray. And so we pray.
citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly I told you folks if I'm not speaking in strange um, Central African dialects (laughs) next week it'll be an absolute miracle for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior our Lord Jesus Christ who will, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. What's amazing about this is the word all things. That's really amazing. Because, you know, doesn't that include all the things in the universes, dimensions, realms, trillions of galaxies, all things. Thrones. What are all the... The second order demons, there's a lot of them. Anyway, 
That's a rabbit hole that you can spend days on. Praise God. First Peter two twenty. For what credit it this is deep, okay? This is very, very, very deep. Listen very closely. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, see what it's trying to say is it's trying it's trying to create a contrast. So when you get beaten for things that you deserve to be beaten for, and you take it patiently, you don't get any credit. It doesn't do the kingdom any good at all. You deserved it. And it goes on to say, but when you do good and suffer, if you take that patiently, this is commendable before God. So when people are calling you names, you take it patiently. Don't get upset. Don't wrinkle up your face and scowl. Okay. Do like Paul said, entreat, to entreat. Word, entreat. Okay, let's see here. It says to ask someone earnestly to do something, to entreat. You don't, you know, Get negative. It says for t- t- so it goes on to say, you know, if you take it patiently, when you do good and you suffer, this is commendable before God. You're acting like Jesus. Verse twenty one. For to for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Are you getting this? So you don't want to be like I was. Some, let me see, what would be my best guesstimate? Many, many, many years ago. 25 years ago? No, not that far. 16, 17 years ago, 18, maybe 18. (sighs) This guy says to me when I was at a restaurant, I was outside on the porch having a beer, admittedly, and um, he said, you know, I can believe in them, they're aliens, better than I can believe in your so-called Jesus. And, uh, well... I let loose. I let's just say that I uh, did the money changer thing. I had a few things to say to him. <laughs> and right here, this scripture, what does it tell us? First Peter two twenty says that I was in sin when I did that. The only way I could have responded to him was with a sad look on my face, hanging my head down, 
looking sad. That would have been the godly way to treat that individual. Not to get all sparky with him and tell him a thing or two, which is what I did. Praise God. First Peter 2.23, it goes on, And while being reviled, Jesus did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him, our Father, who judges righteously. Wow. That's a, that's a really high watermark, isn't it? We cannot act. I mean, we cannot react in a negative way. We can't react in a negative way. That's really a high bar. But that's who we are in Christ. To be just like he was. Here's one that's been long forgotten. John 13, 35. By this, all, all the peoples of the earth, all will know that you, yes, you, are my disciples. If you have love for one another, How little we see of that today. Lots of blaming and finger wagging and all that kind of stuff. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's enter in while we still have time to communion.
people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light who were once not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy 
Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, so even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule into your hearts with, which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. First Timothy three sixteen. We pray for purification, based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, we pray that you will have mercy. Oh, and we mean it. We really, really do from the depths of our heart. In accordance with your incredible, unbelievable, merciful, loving kindness, According to your tender mercies, so many, the multitude thereof, we pray that you will blot out all our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Iniquity is the thought, is the feeling like once saved, always saved. You believe that you can do anything. Sin is what you do as a result of that iniquity. Iniquity is thinking it's okay to kill somebody with a gun. But killing them with the gun is the sin. Father, we acknowledge our transgressions and our sin is always before us. 
against you, you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, Father, we were brought forth in iniquity and in our sin. Sin, Father God, our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part and the hidden part, Father, you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us your joy and gladness, Father, that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sin. Blot out all of our iniquity. And create in us a clean heart, Father. Clean. Brand new. Renew a steadfast, determined, persevering spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence, Father. And help us, lead us, steady us that we would not grieve the Holy Spirit. Restore to us, Father, the joy of your salvation. And uphold us with your generous spirit. And then we will do everything, Father, that we know how in this dark, dark age that we live in to touch people in love to plant seeds, to show the love of Jesus, and to kindly entreat those who do not accept you, and humbly continue to pray for them, that some shall be converted to you. Deliver us, Father, from the guilt of our past sins, and then our tongues shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi, Lee. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
God. I'm going to take the holy oil. I have it all over my house. Praise God. I thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, I declare, we declare, that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint, and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set their wills against us, that they shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God in Jesus' name. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to encircle, completely encapsulate our dwelling place, our automobiles, ourselves, our prayers, our praise in Jesus' mighty name, our children, our loved ones in Jesus' mighty name on all sides, Job 1.9, that nothing unclean may touch us. Hallelujah. We declare the fire of God to vaporize all earthly or spiritual weapons in Jesus' name, to vaporize all fiery darts, and to torment and to strike the demons of darkness that were behind them. We declare the fire of God to vaporize all, all demonic contracts, all demonic agreements, and to strike the demons of darkness that were behind them. 
in Jesus' name, and that they shall be cast into the pit. And we declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut in Jesus' name, to permeate the pit and to burn them into screaming agony, making a public spectacle of them. Yes, yea, an example of them across the demonic ether. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. For only the Lamb of God can break the seals. In the name of Jesus. Father, we also pray for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to us on a search and destroy mission. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that they will make good eyes blind, good ears deaf, that they will ferret out all demonic portals, any indirect attack vectors that we are unaware of, constantly on guard, searching them out, wiping out the enemy, destroying all attempts. In Jesus' name, we pray that they are on guard at all times. We thank you, Father. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Holy fire. Holy fire. Fuego. In Jesus' name, holy fire. Holy fire. In Jesus' name, around about us, we praise you, Father God, and we thank you. Protect our prayers. Envelop every single word of praise, every single utterance of prayer. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will operate under an open heaven all throughout this next week. Sustain it with the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Sustain it by the power of the Almighty God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let nothing unclean touch us, and anything that would attempt In the name of Jesus, we declare and decree warrior angels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped sword, sharpest razor blades to descend upon them, to strike them, death blinded them, place them under arrest and cast them into the pit. In the name of Jesus Christ, that the pit will be welded shut in perpetuity. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up symbolically before you, a golden cup of forgiveness on behalf of every man, woman, and child of every nation, tribe, and tongue of the lands of Africa. Father, from Morocco to the northern Sudan, from Egypt, all the way down past the Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Father God, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Rwanda, Father, Kenya, in Jesus' name. Father, across all of the lands of Namibia, Nigeria, Mozambique, in Jesus' name, Father God, across all the lands of South Africa. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus and all lands in between, in Jesus' name, that you will touch and pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness, Father God, pour it out upon them. For Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Father, even if they do, we're looking for a breakthrough, and we pray for your divine and holy forgiveness to fall upon them. Nevertheless, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Africa for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move unhindered and untouched into the lands of Africa. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.
We praise you, Father. And we declare your holy fire to build a wall across that opening, Father God, that nothing unclean can touch the angels, the powers of heaven that we're calling down upon those lands. In the name of Jesus Christ, we praise you. Father, as a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2.9, we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Africa. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Africa. We come against you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus by his blood. We decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony in Jesus' name and to disarm you in accordance with Colossians 2.15. Hallelujah. And we declare hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels to follow. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for a time such as this that you will promote more archangels like never before and to descend upon these second-order demons of filth and abominations to wage war against them such as never been seen again since before there was time in Jesus' mighty name. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, strong men across all of the lands of Africa, we command you, come forth. Subordinate spirits, we command you to come out now. Out. Now. We declare in the name of Jesus, hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you where you stand. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For we have come to punish you before your time for greater things than these will we do, because our King has gone unto the Father in accordance with thy will, in accordance with thy will. Father, we know what your will is. You said you would want not one to perish, not one. We declare in the name of Jesus, the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, blow it right hot, white hot, and to do encapsulate all of the peoples of the lands of Africa, from the north to the south to the east and to the west, the good and the bad. In Jesus' name, let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. And Father, we pray and plead for the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace to flow deep into their hearts, deep into their spirit. Father God, to renew, to renew, and to touch, to fertilize, to fertilize their soul, the spirit, Father God, the soil they're in, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit. The fruit will remain in accordance with your promises of John 15:16. in Jesus' name. And we plead, Father, in accordance with thy will, for an innumerable company of angels of light, and love to descend upon them in their dreams in their visions of the night for God speaks once 
yea, twice. But man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction. Job thirty three fourteen fifth King James Lord Jesus we pray that you will be in their presence. Lift your hands out to each in their native tongue and call them home. Call them home in your name. In Jesus' name. Save their souls. We praise you, Father. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. We come to you with repentant hearts We seek you with all our might Sinners set the mercy of grace Redeemed we are by your embrace Praise his holy name Praise the King of Kings 